You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. John chapter 15, one of my favorite portions of scripture. The vine and the branches. I am not going to take time to teach John 15, 1 through 17. I hope that you're familiar with Jesus' teaching concerning the vine and the branches. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. Verse 5, he that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do what? Ye can do nothing. I'm not going to preach on how to have a fruitful 2020, although I was tempted to do so. What I'm going to preach on today is this, how to have a joyful 2020. As we face this new year, are you going to have a joyful year? Look with me, if you would, to verse 11. These things... Have I spoken unto you that my what? I can't hear you. What? Joy. Joy. Are you going to have a joyful new year? These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might, and here's the next key word. What is it, church? Remain. Can the Lord Jesus actually give us a joy that will remain in our hearts despite what's going on in our lives. Absolutely. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Fullness of joy. As we face this next coming year, can we face it with the expectation that it'll be a year full of joy. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd bless the preaching of your word today. We certainly want to be fruitful Christians. In this chapter where you taught the vine and the branches, you talked about us bearing fruit and more fruit and much fruit. And I believe that the majority of us here today want to be very very fruitful in our Christian life, and especially have the fruit of joy as we face this next coming year. So help us understand the secret of the vine, the secret to discovering what true joy in life really is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me give you just a quick little outline of Jesus' teaching here. In verse 4, Through verse 6, he tells us that the secret, and and I call this passage the secret of the vine, and the reason I call it the secret of the vine is because it remains a secret to so many Christians on how to be fruitful in their lives. But here we find that the secret to fruit-bearing is abiding, abide in me, and I in you. Remain in that close fellowship with Christ. That is the key to bringing forth fruit to the glory of God 
as we face this coming year. The secret to abiding, look at verse 10, is obeying. You cannot abide in a close fellowship with Christ unless you're obeying him, right? Unless you're walking in the truth, unless you're keeping his commandments, you cannot abide in fellowship with him. So the key to fruit bearing is abiding. The key to abiding is obeying. Now also in verse 10, the key to obeying is loving. What does the Lord Jesus teach us, particularly in chapter 14? If you love me, you will what, church? You will keep my commandments. So think about how this all unfolds. The secret to fruit bearing is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying. The secret to obeying is loving. And now notice verse 12 through verse 15. The secret to loving is knowing. If you know him, you're going to love him. You know, there's a lot of people when they meet me for the first time, especially when they hear me preach for the first time, they don't like me. That's usually their first reaction. But you know what? Over the years, some of you have grown to love me. Why? Pam Reynolds, why do you love me? <laughs> because you know me. We've known each other for how many years? Ever since you were a bratty little teenager. <laughs> Is that right? A boogie-nosed little girl, okay? <laughs> no, the more we get to know someone, the more we what? We grow a love for them. The secret to fruit-bearing is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying. The secret to obeying is loving. And the secret to loving is just knowing him. That I may know him. Oh, my dear church family, some of you, you, you just got to get to know the Lord. That's been your whole problem. And that's why you're really lacking this fullness of joy that he speaks about in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be what? Full. How many of you here want fullness of joy in your life? If you don't, there's really something wrong with you. I need to talk with you afterwards. But I also want to say this, there is a big difference between joy and happiness. And that's a differentiation that many people don't make. They think they're synonymous with each, with each other, but they really aren't. I think most people would agree that happiness is everyone's goal in life. I don't think there's anyone here that says, boy, I really want to be an unhappy person. No. People want to be happy. But the truth is, the Bible never, ever, in any place promises us continual happiness. But it does promise us a joy that will remain, and a joy that no one or no circumstance could ever take from us. Oh, we may lose our happiness now and then. But we have a joy, and if we know how to plug into that joy, the fruit of that, if we know how to plug into that joy, that joy sees us through even the unhappy times of life. Oh, it's easy to be happy. Easy to be happy when you're free from suffering. Amen. 
It's easy to be happy when you're financially secure. It's easy to be happy when all your relationships are good and there's no division. It's easy to be happy then. But when trouble comes in any one of these areas, what usually happens? I mean, when all these things go south, what usually happens to our happiness? It follows right behind. It goes south too. We end up losing our happiness and it's, and it's gone. Hmm. Do you know what? Happiness, listen, listen to the word. Happiness depends on happenings. Do you get the connection? Happiness depends on happenings. If things happen to go our way, we're what? We're happy. If things don't happen to go our way, then we're not happy. So it's totally different than joy. If you have really trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your personal Savior, then you should know this, that you are secure in Him no matter what's happening in your life. Safe am I, safe am I in the what? Hollow of His hand. That nothing can take us out of the Savior's hand. That no matter what is happening, God is working something good in and through this situation that I'm having to face. I might not be happy about it, but I have a joy because I know God is in control and He is eventually going to bring something good out of this. So happiness depends on happenings. Joy does not. You know why I clip my notes like this in my notebook? Like this? You know why I do that? Because sometimes when people sing special music, they take pages of my messages. <laughs> I think they do that on purpose. <laughs> so I clip them down so they can't take them anymore. So let's explain from a biblical perspective what joy is. If happiness depends upon our happenings or upon our circumstances and joy does not, then what is this joy that God promises to give us that will remain in us and that no man can take from us? Well, before Jesus went to Calvary, he spoke these words in chapter 15. I believe this. I believe that Jesus went to Calvary not only to pay the redemption for our sin and the price of our eternal life, but I believe he went to Calvary to give us fullness of joy. These things have I written unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. In the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 22, is where he said, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. You're going to have some sorrow, yes. But in the face of this sorrow, there is going to be a joy that no one will ever be able to take from you. That's the kind of joy I want in my life. How about you? 
I want that. So Jesus promised this fullness of joy, this complete joy. Um, I have a couple glasses of water up here, and that's because I always have to have a sip of water now and then when I preach because my mouth gets so parched. But if I took this and I filled this up to the brim, it gets to the point to where if I put any more in, it's going to what? It's going to overflow. That is exactly what God wants to do, I'm telling you, in each one of our lives. He wants to pour in this joy to where it is full and complete and overflowing. That my joy might remain in you. That's up to me. And that's up to you to have this overflowing joy. I've told you this so many times before that as a pastor, I really believe my number one passion is to see my people be prosperous, successful in life, and to be joyful. When you're not joyful, it, I'm telling you, it hurts me. And that, that lack of joy that we have is as contagious as our joy is. You are either going to be, be a person who brings other people up or brings other people down, and that all depends on whether, you're not, whether you have the fruit of joy remaining in you. Jesus reassures us that nothing can take it away. Joy, not happiness, can be our permanent possession. This is what the Scripture, still what I'm saying, this is what the Scripture said. You might say, well, that's not my experience. Listen, we don't live our life based upon our experience. We, we live by faith of what God says in His Word. And we claim that joy is not just a fleeting moment like happiness is. It's something that remains, even in the face of sorrow. I have presided over many funerals in my 36 years of ministry. The last funeral we had here was whose? Betty's. Was there sorrow at Betty's funeral? Absolutely. We miss Betty. We love Betty. But I'm here to tell you, there was a joy that was present at her funeral that hasn't been present at some funerals I presided over. Why, even though there was sorrow at Betty's home going, and even in pastor's heart, there was a joy. Why did we have this abiding joy, even though we're saying goodbye to Betty, our loved one who we appreciated so much? Why? Because of the way she lived her life and the fact that now she's in the presence of God. Many people think that their New Year's resolutions are going to bring them happiness until they fail to keep their resolutions. That's why your pastor, in his wisdom, doesn't make any. Amen. Still, there's others who say, you know, I hope I can just put the past behind me 
This has been a bad year. I hope that we can just... Do we have bad years? I hope that we can just put this year behind us and move forward, and hopefully things are going to improve in 2020. And Paul said something like that, right? Forgetting those things which are behind, goodbye 2019, and reaching forth to the things which are before 2020, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Perhaps this past year has been marked by failure. Maybe a heartache and sickness and death and suffering and trials and loss. Maybe that has been your 2019 and and you're hoping that things are going to get better. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise the Lord, we have a hope in Christ. There's nothing wrong with hoping that things are going to be better, that this next year is going to bring you better fortune than last year did. But the Word of God gives us a secret on how to find joy, not only in this next coming year, but for the rest of our lives. Isn't that good news? Are you all kind of connecting with preacher today and with what the Lord is saying to us? The Bible has so much to say about joy. 186 times the word joy is found in the Bible. Only 26 times is the word happiness found. Now, next week, I'm going to preach on happiness. I'm going to preach on how to be happy. Does the Lord want us to be happy? Ever notice that most joyful people are happy too? We'll preach on that next week. But the Bible talks about great joy, exceeding joy, abundance of joy, fullness of joy. I believe with all my heart that is what the Lord wants each and every one of us to experience. And my dad used to say this, you've heard me say it before, bear with me, but he said it all the time. It looks like some of you out there are sucking on sour persimmons. Now I have no idea what a sour persimmon is. I never sucked on one, but obviously my dad did. You know how sad it is when I look out there and see some of you sucking on sour persimmons? And every Sunday you come in and suck on one. And then I look out there and I see the vast majority have the joy of the Lord written all over their face. And you know what it does to me? It makes me feel really, really bad for you. That you're missing that secret. (sighs) When you when you think about the things that the world is pursuing, I think there's three things that head the top of the list. Love, joy, and what? Peace. The three things that the world is looking for and pursuing after and and saying, hopefully I can find it somewhere if I could just find love, if I could just find joy, if I could just find peace. When the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So God wants to produce that in each and every one of our lives. And in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you how that can be produced in your life. So you want to hang in there. But first of all, let me say this, the world, and I'm sorry that I have to say this, many Christians that I know 
are looking in all the wrong places. And they're looking to all the wrong things to give them that joy that only the Lord can give to them. Last week I talked about how men are pursuing various loves that compete with our love for Christ. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, lovers of this present world, looking in all the wrong places into all the wrong things to try to find the very thing that God says, I will give to you. Think about how so many are pursuing material possessions. If I just had more material possessions, if I just had more new things, love not the world, neither the what? Things. Some of us got so many things. That doesn't bring happiness. They pursue sports and recreation and hobbies and relationships and friendships and drinking and drugging and parties and sex and music and entertainment. They pursue accomplishments and education and position and authority and control and influence. And on and on I could go with the list, right? All trying to find that which they will never find apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guaranteed. And if they do somehow find a little glimpse of it, it is only for a season. It's very temporary. It's not that fruit that abides and that no man or nothing can take from us. And I'm so sad to even say this. Many have even turned to the dark side to try to find that thing that's missing in their life. Occult practices are very prevalent today. And even our Christian young people are dabbling in this. We are entertained by it. We play video games that I believe are designed by Satan to draw people into evil practices. Amen, preacher! And our Christian young people are playing these things and being drawn deeper and deeper and deeper away from the Lord and into the things that God says, these are an abomination unto me. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, it talks about divination. Those who practice fortune-telling. Observer of times. Soothsayers. Enchanters. A person who casts spells. Practices magic. A sorcerer. A charmer, a person who believes in magical power and the ability to perform incantations and casting of spells. A diviner. One who claims that they can foretell future events. A consulter with evil spirits. A witch, a wizard, a necromancer. One who claims to speak and communicate with the dead. 
Listen to what God says. For all these are an abomination unto the Lord. Thou shalt not hearken unto them. God hath not suffered thee to do so. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God and hearken unto the voice of thy God. What is God saying? Stay completely away from the dark side. Don't play with it. Don't read about it. Don't try to experience it. Stay away. If there's one thing that we need to be ignorant of, it's the dark side. All of these things are an abomination unto the Lord. Why? Because they are deceptive and they are destructive. And God loves you too much for you to dabble in these things. But men pursues all of these things and much more to try to find love, joy, and peace. We would be wise to listen to Solomon as he tried all these things that I've just mentioned, even the dark side. And he was honest enough, you listen to me, to say, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. So, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have joy that will remain in you, that no man can take away from you. How, how can that be? How can that happen? I think there's two things. Number one, if you're going to have that fullness of joy, that complete joy, that abiding joy, First of all, you have to truly, truly become born again. You've got to be saved. I believe that there are numbers of those sitting in even our good, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches that truly are not saved. Can you imagine how frustrated it is to try to live the Christian life and not be a Christian? I can't imagine anything more difficult so I can't do this no you can't because John 15 without me you can do nothing receiving Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is the first step to discovering that fullness of joy that that Christ promises marvel not that I say unto you it's a good idea to be born again Marvel not that I say unto you, come on church, what? Ye must. Ye must be born again. Let me say to all of you here today and those who are listening live stream, if you want to have the joy of the Lord in your life, that abiding joy, if you want to have it for the rest of your life, the first step is you've got to get saved. You've got to be made a new creature in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. That, that old person that we used to be, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You put off the old man. You put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
It is the only way that you will ever experience this joy that the Lord Jesus spoke about. As you study the teachings of Jesus concerning salvation and what true salvation is. And listen, only you can figure out whether you're truly born again. But the Bible does say, by their fruit you shall know them. And at least you can look at the fruit in your own life. If you see that there is no fruit, guess what? No root. You have to wrestle that out with the Lord. But if you're even here today and you're saying, man, I, don't, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around what preacher's talking about in this whole fullness of joy thing. Maybe all you know is the fleeting happiness and you don't know that fullness. It very well could be that you've never truly been born again. Jesus said that being born again, well, just let me read, let me read Jesus' words. No man puts a piece of new cloth on an old garment. I remember my mom, most people today, if, if they have, uh, you know, a pair of pants that has a hole in it, you know what they do? They wear it. Matter of fact, they buy them that way. A few years ago, do you remember when they had the jeans that were shot by a shotgun? That was the, that was the fad. Now they got these jeans that look like, uh, I mean, they wouldn't even put them in. <clears throat> Goodwill. It's embarrassing. Seriously, it's embarrassing. When I wore a hole in my jeans, you know what my mom would do? She would take material from another set of old jeans and she'd patch my hole she never used new cloth to patch my old pair of pants any seamstress knows that because then if you wash it what's going what's to happen it's going to shrink and it's going to tear the mend no man puts a piece of new cloth on an old garment or the rent is made worse listen Jesus does not come into your life to patch it up. He doesn't patch up lives. He makes it a new life. If you're here today and Christ has not made you a new person, you're not born again. He also talked about it as new bottles. He said no man puts new wine into old wineskins. Why wouldn't you take the freshly squeezed juice of the vine and put it into an old wineskin? Why? Because as it began that natural fermentation process, it would begin to expand, and this is what Jesus said, the bottle would break. You just know you don't do that. I'm here to tell you, Christ does not pour His Holy Spirit into an old wineskin. He makes us a new creature in Christ. Jesus said these words. When he gets involved in a person's life, he said, I make all things new. 
We're no longer the old person that we used to be. We're a new person in Christ. We're a new man. Isaiah said, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and a new thing do I declare, saith the Lord, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth, and ye shall know it. When God saves a person's life, you know it. He doesn't just put a new patch on it. He doesn't just pour some of His Holy Spirit into it. He makes it new, and you know it when someone gets saved. When you get saved, you know it. When I got saved, I knew it. The minute I asked Christ to come into my life and save me, I knew I was five years old, but I knew it. I didn't know what all happened to me, but I knew that I was saved. And I ran around shouting, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. If you don't know that you are saved today, you need to get saved. And God will give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notice the things that Jesus said he would make new in a person's life. He says, I'll give you a new name. I'll give you a new and living way. I'll give you a new heart, a new mind. You'll be made a new creature, a new man, a new song, a new garment, a new commandment, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. New, 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 new. And with that newness comes a joy. that the world cannot give. The world may give temporary happiness. And I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't want you to be happy. We're going to find out next week. He wants us to have moments of happiness. Well, listen to what David said. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. you hear that some of you may still be in that horrible pit that's why you feel so horrible on the inside that that's why it's almost impossible for you to crack a smile i'm dead serious he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay he set my feet upon a rock he established my goings he hath put a what? New song. New, 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 new. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. Over and over and over again, David said in the Psalms, My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Maybe the reason that you don't have a rejoicing heart is because never has there been true salvation. You say, uh, Pastor, are you, tr are, are you trying to convince me that I'm lost? Listen, if I can stand here and convince you that you're lost, you better get saved. Are you trying to put doubt 
in my mind concerning my salvation? Yes. I can't think of anything that's more important to wrestle through than whether or not you truly are born again. Your eternal destiny depends upon your answer to that question. There's, I, I have no time to read all this scripture. But I just, I just began to jot down as I was preparing this message, message of the things that happened after I got saved. Again, I got saved when I was five. I didn't realize that all these things happened. But first of all, I was saved from going to hell. If that doesn't give you a reason to rejoice, I don't know what will. I was saved from hell. I was forgiven of all of my sin. My conscience was purged from dead works to serve a living God. I was given eternal life. I was made eternally secure. I was made alive in Christ. I was clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I was delivered from the power of darkness. I was crucified with Christ, baptized into the body of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, given the earnest of the Holy Spirit, indwelled by the Holy Spirit. I was adopted into the family of God. I was made joint heir with Jesus Christ. I was justified, sanctified, and glorified. I was redeemed, reconciled, and regenerated. You know what the word regeneration is? It's, it's a compound word, palangenus. Palan means new, genesis means beginning. I was given a whole new beginning. The world tries all the old things over and over and over again to try to find joy. And they come up empty. You think of all those people who will gather in New York City all the drinking that will go on, all the carousing that will go on, all the entertainment that will go on. How many have ever watched the lead up to the dropping of the ball? Shame on you. I can't watch that. I watched the ball drop, you know, like five minutes before 12. But if you catch any of that before the ball. What do you see? You see a vast sea of people just reaching out for something. Right? Something to fill that void. That joy void in their heart. I want to tell you something. After that ball drops and they leave, that emptiness is still going to be there. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded their eyes. You know what? You know why they can't see this? They can't see what I'm talking about? I think there's actually probably a couple here even today that they just can't see what the preacher's talking about. You know why you can't see this? You know why some of you here can't even look up and, and you, you can't even look at me today? You can only glance at me for just a, just a moment and you've got to drop your eyes again. 
Why is that? What is it about this preacher? What is this preacher saying? He's saying things that you're blind to. Satan has blinded. Occasionally I'll see the little smirk and the little whisper to the person beside. You know why the majority of us are sitting here saying, Amen. Amen. That's right. Been there. Preach it. Because God opened our eyes. My wife sent out a text. This morning, how we're praying for my oldest son, that God would open his eyes. I can't open his eyes. I can't open your eyes. But I do know right now that the Holy Spirit, he's tugging at your heart. There's actually a couple here today that have not had the joy of the Lord. I haven't seen the joy of the Lord in their life ever, and they have not been able to take their eyes off of this preacher today. You know why? Because Holy Spirit, he's tugging at your heart. And you may never have that tug again. My spirit will not always strive with men. The world gropes in darkness. Jesus said, He knoweth not where he goeth, because darkness hath blinded his eyes. That's a sad state to be in. I, I, I couldn't imagine losing my sight. I would much rather lose any of my other senses than to lose my sight. Right? Receiving Jesus is the most, it's the most, it's the most important thing you can do. To find forgiveness of sins and the removal of guilt. You've all heard my salvation story. Five years old when I got saved. But when I got saved, seriously, it was like a load was just taken off of me. It was like Pilgrim's Progress and Pilgrim going to the cross and that burden of sin being released from his back and rolled down Calvary's hill. I'm forgiven. I'm no longer guilty. I've been justified. I have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit living within me. And I have the, prom I have the promise. I got the promise of eternal life. For the White family, for my wife and I, it has not been a good year been one of the worst years that we've ever had. And I don't know what this next year holds, but I'll tell you this, through this whole thing, 
I've had a joy that has remained in me because I know God's up to something. I'm not sure what he's all up to, but I know that God is up to something. And I know God has something good in store. I guess I'll take the time to just share this with you. The second, I'm going to have to get to this tonight. First of all, if you want that joy that no man can take from you, you need to be born again. You're going to have to come to Christ. Repent of your sin and trust Him and Him alone for your salvation. The second thing, you need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. I wish I could go there. Over and over again, the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you tonight how to walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to launch into that this morning. But it's not been a good year for my wife and I. Pushing 60 years of age and having to walk away from your home, walk away from all your possessions, Start all over again. Looking back at all the money that we've spent trying to make our home a safe place that my wife and I could, could live together. So we're celebrating our Christmas with our family. And Christmas, ever since our kids have grown up, our Christmas isn't about giving a gift anymore. It's, you know, everyone gets like one gift. You know, you draw names, everyone gets one gift. I didn't even know, I, actually, Christina drew my name this year. And everyone's asking me, Dad, what, what do you want for Christmas? There's nothing I want. And what I want, you can't give me anyway. Christina gave me, this is what she gave me, she gave me this foot pedal that I can hook onto my grinder for grinding venison so I don't have to turn it off and on every time I grind. I'm like, hallelujah, I didn't even know I needed it till I got it. We're sitting there, we're opening gifts, and everything's all said and done. Isaac said, there's, there's something the family wants to give you, Dad. And Mom, he said, you guys get over and sit down so you can see the TV. So we came, we sat down, and Isaac pulls up, it's absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous home. If I were to show you this home, you would, you would all gasp. It's like a mansion. It's like one of those lodges that you'd see up north on Lake Superior. He said, Dad, family has gotten together 
and we bought you this house. He said, and I also want you to know there's 40 acres of hunting property that goes along with it. And Shelly's crying, and I'm about ready to have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm like, did I take my meds this morning? <laughs> and he said, you can't, you can't argue with us. It's all said. It's done. It's paid for. He said, there's only one thing. He said, there's going to be a mold inspection be done. And uh, he said, you and mom are going to go and live in it for three days. And if mom does okay, this could be your house. My wife better do okay, because if she doesn't do okay, I'm still moving in, and she's staying at I. <laughs> ever thought I'm here to tell you listen to me church things may go bad but all things work together for good somewhere down the road you'll be able to look back and say that's what God was doing why in the world did I let the devil steal my joy? If we would have only known. Some of you know what happened to us 20 years ago when 174,000 gallons of gasoline spilled into our backyard. And we were out of our home for four and a half months. That was a difficult time. We didn't know whether we'd ever move back into our home or not. But I remember sitting down with ExxonMobil and ExxonMobil asking us a question. And their question was this, if you don't take us to court, would you accept this check for $320,000? Thank you, sir. If we would have known during that whole time of our properties being contaminated and being out of our home and being moved from place to place, they actually had to put us on the news because they couldn't find a place big enough to house our family. Could you imagine saying, we cannot believe we spilled this gasoline in the backyard of a preacher <laughs> that has nine kids. But if I would have known that a few months down the line, I'd have been handed a check. Could you imagine being handed a check for $320,000 I went to the bank and they, they looked at it and said, we can't cash this. I had to go to the bank where it was issued. But how many would be displaced, <clears throat> displaced from their home for four and a half months if I gave you $320,000? 
I figured so. I'm just here to tell you, listen to me, church. You never know what God is up to. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Let that joy remain in you. Don't let anyone or anything take it away from you because we have a God who's in control of the universe. And if he is in control of the universe, guess what? He's in control of your life. Tonight, be here, and I will tell you how to walk in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit, the promise is given. You will have fullness of joy. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.